Let's continue in prayer. Father, we do thank you for your love. Lord, there is none like you. There's none greater than you, none better than you. And we love you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. We want to walk with you and talk with you. That our days be filled with your presence. For it ain't a good day unless it's a God day. We just love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, a uh, little word of warning. I can, I can talk with you for a few minutes, and it won't take me long to figure out if you're walking with God. <laughs> so, uh, it's not because I'm anything special. The fact of the matter is, when we have those conversations, God don't even have to come into it. And when I said that in the first service, everybody went, ooh. <laughs> well, here's the truth. If you're walking with the Lord, then the, the words that are coming out of your mouth are going to be peace and love and joy. But if it's critical and negative and hateful, I would encourage you to get in your prayer closet. And <laughs> spend some time with the Lord. It, it reflects on your speech if you've been with the Lord. Uh, today we're going to be talking about relationship matters. And that's because relationships matter. So as we talk about relationships, just help me help, me help you understand. <laughs> your relationships with other people is the litmus test to help us understand how your relationship is with God. And I know that because it's my greatest test. As, as I go out into the world and I am amongst society, when I begin to get uh, irritated and aggravated, it is a reminder to me, you need to be spending time in God's presence. Because how I react to other people is an indicator of whether I am walking with the Lord, I'm spending time with the Lord, is, is his essence getting on me. Does that make sense? You cannot be wrong here and right here at the same time. It don't work that way. Just, just, let's just keep it real simple and close to home. I cannot be wrong with my right wife and right with my God at the same time. It just don't work that way. God says if you claim, and, and, and now we're going to take it off of our spouse and to other people in, in the world around us. God says if you claim to love me whom you can't see and love but hate others that you can, you're a liar and the truth ain't in you. Ooh, my mom would whoop me if I called somebody a liar. But God says, you're lying. It, because the natural outflow of a life surrendered upward is a life that is good outward and relationally well. So we're going to talk about relationship matters uh, because relationships do matter. They're absolutely vital in the life of a Christian. We've been talking for the first uh, several uh, weeks of this year about our spiritual health, our spiritual well-being. If, you, uh, if you get healthy spiritually, it will affect you relationally. Okay, if I'm if I'm healthy and I see God as father and how much God loves me, that I'm highly valued, that I'm deeply loved, and I'm fully accepted through Jesus Christ, my savior, then it affects my relationships. 
It affects those around me. We're going to look at some scriptures that uh, you might not have seen before. Uh, just know that most of the New Testament was written by a guy named Paul. Paul's first name, his name was Saul also, but Saul's his Jewish name. Paul is his Hebrew name. And as we, as we look at uh, these fa first passages of scripture, just know that the name changes, but don't let that confuse you. Let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 12, the book of Acts chapter 12. Here we, we, we know the writings of Paul. From the next book of the Bible, the book of Romans, to the end of the Bible, he writes almost all of it. He writes a whole lot of it anyway. We got, we've got uh, some of the epistles that he don't write, but he writes a lot of it. And so this is Paul. We, we, we highly esteem this man. This is a godly, godly man who uh, God uses in mighty ways. But we're fixing to show some of the ugly side of Paul. Y'all ready? Y'all not ready? Come on. Okay, y'all ready. All right. <laughs> Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from... Now, I know I'm jumping right in the middle of a narrative, but that's all right. You hang with me. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with him John, whose surname was Mark. So you need to know that this Saul, later from this point forward, we'll call him Paul. Uh, he was going about his missions, and he was traveling around the known world at that time, and he had his good buddy with him named Barnabas. Barnabas means son of encouragement. Barnabas was a, man, this was a loving guy. When you see Barnabas in the scriptures, he's always loving on somebody. It was, it was Barnabas that took Saul uh, and introduced him to the other Christians when all of them were scared of him. Because Saul was a, he was a, he was a bad motor scooter. He, he had already had Stephen killed, and now he's going after others to imprison and kill them when God strikes him with, with a blinding light. And he has his conversion experience. But don't you know that these, these other Christians in the community, eh, we don't trust him yet. We need to watch him before we can trust him. Barnabas comes alongside and saying, hey guys, this, this is real. This, there's been a transformation in this guy's life. And so now Barnabas and Saul are teamed up, paired up, and they're doing ministry work together. And they got with them this young guy named John Mark. John Mark is the cousin of Barnabas. You'll see this in later scripture. But but. Cousin Barney and little John Mark are on this missionary journey. And then something happens in chapter 13. Look at verse 13. Chapter 13, verse 13. Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga to Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now if that's all you read, you don't recognize all that's... Uh, really going on in the Bible, it doesn't go into all of the emotions that got tied up in that verse of scripture. What happened? That little whining wimp went home. And in Paul's eyes, he couldn't stick it out and he headed out and he left us. Well, this will be a problem because if you look with me to chapter 15 and verse 36, as they continue on their missionary journeys, they've gone out and now they're going to come back and revisit those who they had seen come to Christ. In chapter 15, verse 36, then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. Oh, cousin Barney. Man, he's such a good dude. Well, surely we can take Mark with us. Let's take John Mark with us. 
Paul says, that little whining wimp that wouldn't stick it out, we, I'm not having him with me. See, Paul was a tough individual. And he knew that he was in a tough ministry. And he had to have people that were going to stick it out and not leave him in the middle of a firefight. He had to have somebody he could depend on, and he couldn't depend on little John Mark. And yet, here Barnabas, cousin Barney, says, come on, we can, we, verse 37. Now, Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. Now, Paul, don't you remember when, when people didn't want you hanging around, and I introduced you to them? Don't you remember, Paul, when, when people didn't even want to look at you because they remembered what you did to Stephen? Paul, don't you remember how I brought you into their fold and they accepted you. Can't you accept him back in? Uh-uh. Verse 38, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them that little whining wind. I'm adding scripture. <laughs> Paul insisted they should not take them the one who departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. He didn't like to work. Maybe he ain't a wine. Maybe he's just lazy. Maybe he's just trifling. He'd be trifling. That's what it is. He's just <laughs> trifling. And so verse 39, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul took, chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. What we have here, if this were a church, we would call it a church split. We would call this a church split. We have Barnabas and Paul, and they have a disagreement because Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, and Paul said, I ain't having it. I ain't having it. He's lazy. He's he, whatever he called him. He said, he, he won't stick it out. I can't trust him. I can't trust So what we have is a parting of the ways. Now, don't get too upset at Paul. This is what happens. Sometimes we say, well, I, I just can't look at him in the same light now. Paul should have been more, uh, more merciful. Paul should have been kinder to John Mark. Paul used to be in a similar situation. People didn't want him around. And, and so maybe you're, you're looking at Paul that way. But uh, I want you to know that as you look at the words of Paul through the rest of the scriptures, he had a heart change somewhere along the way. I want you to look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 4. <laughs> I've already preached this once. I need to change my notes. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. That ain't it either. Where am I? That's Thessalonians. That's a big book, you know. I'm still trying to learn it. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. That sound right? That's where we're going anyway. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Only Luke is with me. So here's what Paul is writing to his young uh, student in the faith and in the ministry, Timothy, and he signs out his letter saying, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. Amen. For he is useful to me for ministry. Amen. He says, he's had a heart change. Yeah. Oh, the boy, he's, he's not so bad after all. <laughs> you know, he, maybe I was a little too hard on him. Fact of the matter is, I kind of like him. Right. Truth be known, I I really need him in my life. 
So, so bring him too when you come. Bring John Mark and, and uh, we, need to, we need to write the relationship. I want you to know that as we look at these scriptures, we, we begin to see the full story in the book of Colossians. We're going to turn to Colossians uh, chapter, uh, chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, verse, we're going to start in verse 7. We're going to name some names that uh, I might spit on you up here on the front row, so y'all just hang in there. So we're going to name some of these names just because, just because there's something interesting here. Uh, chapter 4, verse 7, uh, uh, somebody say that name for me. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't think you said it right, Bruce. Say it again. <laughs> Tychicus. I didn't hear you the first time. That's what I was saying. <laughs> Whatever that guy's name is, a beloved brother. Faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. So he's writing now to a church, a church in Colossae. And he signs out his letter saying, these are the friends I have around me. And he says in verse 8, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus. I, I, I originally only was going to talk about verse 10, but then when I saw the name Onesimus, I reminded myself, oh, I know this guy. I know this guy. There's a book of Philemon and Paul writes to a man named Philemon and he writes to him about a man named Onesimus. And he says, uh, I know that y'all had a parting of the ways, but, but I encourage you to receive him back as a brother. And so when we see this name Onesimus, I say, well, oh, Paul done got tenderhearted. Onesimus is a faithful and beloved uh, brother who is one of you. And they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Uh, here's one of those hard names again. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you receive instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. What's going on here? He went from, I don't want that boy around me, to actually, would you bring him back to me, to now they're partners in ministry. Amen. Amen. Now they're partners in ministry. Paul, if you read any of the writings of Paul, he will start on theology, but he quickly gets into relationships. Because relationships are so vital for the kingdom of God. In fact, the kingdom of God flows through relationships. From life to life. And so if we're going to be kingdom catalysts, we need to maintain our relationships. Maintain them. I, 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 there was a few years ago that I got real convicted over the fact that I was complaining so much about the junk that I had. And, and what I would do is I, I would uh, accumulate stuff and, and, and I really wouldn't maintain this one, but I'd just get another one. And, and uh, I realized I was not being a good steward. I was not being a good steward. You know, rather than maintain and, and be a good steward of, of this one, I would just kind of add to it. So now I had more to steward that I wasn't to steward and well. And God convicted me of it and I decided to get, simplify my life and I don't need three of those anymore. Let's just get one, take care of that one. And, 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 and let me just ask you this. How much more valuable is a friend than a vehicle? So relationships need to be maintained too, don't they? They need to be maintained. And here's a, here's a beautiful thing. Uh, after the service, I preached this sermon once. I hope it's better the second time. Uh, after the first one, one of our students comes to me and he says, you know, interesting thing about these relationships. He says, when you have two people together uh, without God in that relationship, there's friction. 
It's like two cogs of a wheel. We know a little bit about this, this kind of stuff. He's like the, the two of them coming together. This is one of our teenagers. You're doing a good job, bro. Uh, actually, I think mom and dad had a big part of that. But we, we, we recognize. He said, he said, but when you put Jesus in the middle, now all of a sudden things work well together. I said, man, you are right on. I said, but you know what? The Holy Spirit is called oil. The oil of the Holy Spirit. If you have him working in this relationship, it will help maintain it. Uh, before the service, I encouraged our, our worship team. Uh, they meet in the green room before they come and worship. And they, they lead us in worship by worshiping themselves. And we just get in on it. Amen. And I, and I asked them, uh, are, y'all, are y'all getting in on other classes? Are you coming into the worship service? And, and they assured me they were. And, and I said, you know, you got to make sure that you're getting filled up, not just pouring out. Christian, you need to make sure that you're not just giving all the time and not being filled up. That why? Because that's when you dry up and burn out. But you got to maintain your spiritual health in order to maintain your relational health. Uh, so if God's not in the middle of your relationship, man, we got trouble coming. We got trouble coming. I want to continue to look through the scriptures because it's a whole lot better talking than I am. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I love chapter 12. Romans starts off by saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amen. We need, to, we need to, just like Miss Cassie said, it's not what I feel or what I get out of it. I am giving him what he deserves. Present this life to him. I'm a sacrifice for you, God. The problem with living sacrifices is we climb off the altar. Man, a living sacrifice. I will squirm. I will get off that thing. Y'all know you can walk with your backside, don't you? You ever try? <laughs> I'm sorry. Stuff comes in. My, my <laughs> Uh, you try and give kid medicine. He can walk with that backside, man. He just squirt right out of that chair. I'm, as a living sacrifice, I keep sliding off the altar. And I have to submit myself fresh and anew, not just day by day, but moment by moment. Surrender is not a once and done thing. It's not a once and done thing. Well, I got saved all those years ago and I think it's still good. Well, if that's the mentality that you have, you're not maintaining, maintaining this relationship. Surrender is not a once and done thing. It is continually being surrendered to the Lord, a living sacrifice. Well, that was not even going to be in my sermon. So let's go to verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. What is he saying? He says you need to make sure in order to maintain relationships that you're not trying to put yourself above everybody. You see, if, if you constantly stay frustrated at people because they don't recognize your worth. Here's that word worth. When we come and we say that we're worshiping, do you know the origination of that word? It was come from Latin. It was worship. It is expressing to God his worth. Are you getting upset because people ain't worshiping you? God wants you off his throne. And he won't tolerate that. 
And what, he, what we recognize happens is we have a string of broken relationships. If somebody has a string of broken relationships behind them, you, you have to begin to do the math. And I was taught in math, when you have a, a number that keeps repeating itself, it's the common denominator. And so if you have a string of broken relationships ask after you, maybe you need to ask myself, what is the common denominator? Oh, it's me. Maybe the problem is not with everybody else. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. And so if I'm frustrated at you because you don't worship me the way I think you ought to, maybe I need to heed to the scriptures. For I say to you through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God gives, has dealt each one a measure of faith. Drop down to verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. You know what? Uh, we now know that word hypocrisy. That's a bad deal. That, boy, so you call somebody a hypocrite. That's a bad word. You know it wasn't originally? It wasn't originally. Hypocrite is the word that we use today for actor. It's just simply an actor. And, 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 and in these times in which this word was being used, this word hypocrite, uh, I've been to uh, Israel and, and seen some of the Roman uh, theaters there. What they would have is one actor playing several parts. And so over here to the back, they would have a bunch of masks and cloaks that they would put on. And so one guy would come up here and play this part, and then he, he would go behind the scene and change his mask, and that guy's role was a hypocrite. What a bad word, just simply meant actor. When I have people say, man, Sand Springs is a special church, so you're right, it's special. It's filled with a bunch of special people. And their love is genuine. It's genuine. See, a hypocrite may act like they love you, but you turn your back on them. They'll stab you in the back. He said, don't be acting when you love somebody. Really love them. Really love them. Verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Man, if we live like this, my goodness, the kingdom of God would spread like wildfire. Just loving on others and, and, and wanting to make sure they're taken care of more than I'm taken care of. Verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. By the way, y'all know who's, who's writing this? Paul. It's Paul. Paul, who didn't want to whine and wimp, John Mark hanging around me. We got ministry to do, and he ain't doing it. You just, he ain't coming along with me. Paul's heart got softened. Not only that, he was so softened that the Holy Spirit decided I can use him as an author to a book. See, this book is inspired by God. God said, I can, I can speak through that guy. All the way to 2022, whatever this year is, 22. <laughs> Everything's a fog after 2020. All the way to me and you. But then we get to verse 14 that I don't like very much. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
Well, I want to switch scriptures around a little bit every now and then. Curse them and don't bless him. But then he says, bless and don't curse. I had a guy that made me so mad one time. I really wanted to kill him. And I knew that was illegal. So I decided I'd just go kill his cat. I'd just go kill his <laughs> This guy loved his cat. And I just, and I just hang that sun gun right up. And I, was, I was serious. I'm not <laughs> Y'all laughing at me like I'm joking. I was going to hang it right there in front of his front door. I know, y'all probably some cat lovers in the room. Don't write. I didn't do it. <laughs> didn't do it. <laughs> but I was walking around the yard. I was so mad. I was so mad. I, I, we had given this guy money. We had, he, we had blessed him when he did curse us. And because we blessed him when he cursed us, now that we blessed him, he's cursing us some more. Boy, I was hot. I'm walking around the yard. Won't you just kill him, God? He messed with your baby boy. <laughs> and here's what God said, and it has stuck with me so clear. Lord said, you keep your hands off, and I'll keep mine on. You keep your hands off of that situation, and I'll keep my hands on it. But if you put your hands on it, I'm taking mine off. <sighs> Fine. <laughs> Uh, and you know, uh, I didn't hear, this dude was going to sue me. He was going to sue me uh, for praying for his wife. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, all, it's all out there on the interweb. You can find it out there. It's, but don't, don't worry about it. They had me on Fox and Friends. I was on Fox News because we blessed this guy. We blessed this guy when he cursed us. And, and we've just been kind to him. Also, he ain't going to sue me for praying for his wife. Like, stupid. And God said, you keep your hands off. And you know, I never heard a thing from that guy till last year. I never heard anything of a lawsuit. I heard from him last year. And he called me up and he said, uh, he said, uh, is Pastor Eric there? I said, it's him. He told me his name. He said, do you remember me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I remember you. And he said, I just want to call and apologize. Amen. He said, I, I, I did you wrong, and y'all did, did me so good. And I said, I just want to call and apologize. You know, sometimes in the heat of the conflict, Man, it'd just feel real good to just hurt them real bad. But the fact of the matter is, uh, the best thing we can do is allow the Lord to handle it. Just, and I'll do it too. Uh, I, I, I say this, uh, somebody, come, somebody was at my house Thursday night and they started quoting me. And that's dangerous, <laughs> dangerous, dangerous. <laughs> I don't remember exactly saying it as clearly as this, but they said, I'm going to punch you in the face in the name of Jesus. That's, they started quoting me. And, uh, but I, I do sometimes hand things over to the Lord, and, and I'll pray prayers that, uh, that, that probably ain't just real good uh, prayers to pray, but man, it sure gets it off my chest. And so I'll say, Lord, they messing with your baby boy. And here's how my prayer would go. Lord, would you give them a case of explosive diarrhea? <laughs> Don't kill them, God. Just make them wish they were dead. God just... <laughs> and that just feels real good to pray like that. I just tell you. Just... 
again, don't write, don't write. I have no confirmed cases that he actually did it. <laughs> but, but I tell you this, just to hand it to him, say, Lord, I, I'm, my hands are off. My hands are off. Well, here's how it says it in the scriptures. I, I guess I am wrong after all. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. See, when you're asking for somebody to have explosive diarrhea, that's really a curse, I guess. <laughs> rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. And do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, sometimes it's not. As much as depends on you, sometimes it doesn't. Live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Keep your hands off. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And that's why I like to remind him to do that sometimes. <laughs> Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. <laughs> I like the sound of that. I like to heap some coals of fire on the head. Here's what he says. Do good to them when you don't want to. It'll heap coals of fire on the head. Well, I like to heap coals of fire. That sounds pretty good. But you know what it's really saying? You'll refine their mind. You'll refine their mind. Instead of retaliating, won't you actually do good when you have every reason to do bad? See, here's what happens. Here's what we do. When we... Uh, convince ourselves and then we'll try and convince others when we convince ourselves that they're bad then we make ourselves feel good when we treat them bad if we say that they are wrong then it makes me right to treat them wrong just just marinate on that for a second if i can convince myself and, and see, it's never good enough just to convince myself. I also need to convince those around me because they're going to see how I do this. When I convince others around me, that person is bad. Then I'm good when I treat them bad. That's about as evil as it gets. That's about as wrong as it gets. So now, not only have I slandered them, but I've also mistreated them. And God says, I tell you what you need to do. You actually need to do what you don't want to do and do them good. And then see what I do. Then see what I do. Well, when we look at this next verse of scripture that finishes out chapter 12, it says, do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's another good way to say it. Don't, don't try and fight darkness with darkness, but just shine the light. I've been up since 3.30 this morning. I woke up at 3.30 and... I just wasn't settled on this message. I was just a little frustrated. I was like, I don't, I don't like the way this is sounding. And what I realized is I was going to preach this message the way I used to preach stuff like this. And that is, is, is coming with kind of hard and harsh and, and dark and critical and judgmental. And the fact of the matter is you, you can't fight darkness with darkness. And so I want, I want to shift this sermon real quick and just let you know, let, let's say it this way. Some of the greatest gifts that God has ever given you are those people sitting around you. The relationships are more valuable than anything else in your life. 
Those friends that you have, that faith family that is sitting around you, they are the greatest gifts of God, far far more than anything else, any possession. It is is your faith family, those who are in this church, they are your greatest, your greatest blessings. And you need to maintain those relationships and not only maintain those relationships, you need to steward those relationships well. What does that mean? Well, I recognize the the spiritual principle of giving uh, and how... And we're going to be preaching on it before too long to be to be uh, financially healthy. But in order to to give to the Lord, to be a good steward of what God has given unto you, you return back to him a portion of what he has given to you. That's called stewardship. And so if I want to steward relationships, what does that mean? I need to I need to continue to to open handedly say, God, I want you in the middle of all my relationships. I want you in the middle of all my relationships, and I want to use them for your glory, God. I want to use them for kingdom purposes, God. God, I want to, I want to be in good standing with people around, even those that treat me wrong. I want, to, I want to do good to them. Why? Because it reflects on who you are, God. And I need you right in the middle of my relationship. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all those other things will be added. Amen. God, I want to, I want to thank you for those that you put around me. I know that there are churches out there that, that, that they won't grow because God can't entrust his sheep to them. So no, I, don't, I can't trust my sheep to them. They, they'll mistreat my sheep. I can't do that. Well, it might be that we as individuals are the same way. God said, I want to give you some friends, but I just can't trust you with my sheep. But if, if we recognize that maybe, maybe my relationship problems is because of an old wound and I've been holding on that thing. You know, a grudge is the only thing that doesn't get better by nursing it. You can nurse that grudge, nurse that grudge. It won't get better by nursing. It actually gets worse. That root of bitterness will just continue to grow. And, and we've been clearing off our land and, and, and digging up briars. And my goodness, that's a root of bitterness, isn't it? Yes. And man... You can just picture his stuff growing as you just continue to, boy, I just don't like them. And I just, and, and we begin to rationalize. But I'll tell you what, if you recognize, oh, you know what? All relationships are valuable. All relationships are valuable. And they're the kingdom catalyst. It is what God uses to spread the kingdom of God. One relationship to the next. Well, maybe the Lord is reminding you of how good he is by some of the people he's put in your life. I want to encourage you. I want to give you a little homework today. I want to encourage you to just go up to somebody who they're a blessing to you and just tell them, I thank God for you. That little bit of encouragement, what we would call oil in the machine. It reduces that friction in the relationship. I thank God for you and mean it. Let love be without hypocrisy. Mean it. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're not in good relationships here because we're not in good relationship here. Let's start with this one first. Let's start with the vertical relationship. See, the cross is even a reminder. Uh, I need to make sure that, that I am good with God before I get into these relationships. And so this morning we're going to have an invitation. I ask that you stand with me. The worship team's coming forward.
And maybe you begin to do some math and you recognize there's a common denominator in my life. I have a string of broken relationships in my life and I just keep making a mess out of relationships. And now we have to ask our question, why? Why? Because see, if I am healthy in my relationship with God, if I am spiritually healthy, it won't look like that. So maybe, maybe it is that there's an old wound or an old cancer that's in there. And you need to let the Lord remove it. Jesus teaches on forgiveness and, and uh, we don't particularly like those passages of scripture. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, God don't play when it comes to that. It's even a part of the Lord's prayer. I don't know if you remember it as such. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as or in the same way that we forgive others their trespasses. And then it goes on after he, it's the only point that he comes back around to. Jesus says, and, and that's how you pray. But by the way, let's come by, uh, around and visit this point again. If you don't forgive others their wrongdoings, your heavenly Father won't forgive you yours. Why? Because it is an offense to God to ask him to do for you what you won't do for somebody else. So that may be what we need to work on this morning or I don't know as our prayer team comes forward maybe maybe it's totally unrelated to this maybe you just need to work on your relationship with our Heavenly Father recognizing that in Christ Jesus you are highly valued deeply loved and fully accepted and when we understand that when we get good here, all of this starts falling into place. Amen. Amen. Father God, we love you. Lord Jesus, we love you. You didn't just come to be our savior. You came to be our example too. That we might do as you did. We thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, do your work in us at this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.